It's been a while since I looked at this section of the story, so I can't recall with complete certainty whether I ever saw the complete dialogue between Gabby and Falco when Falco was trying to convince her to stand down. But what I do remember was that what I saw from Gabby in this section of the story didn't affect me. Even if her reasons and explanations made some sense intellectually, they didn't really reach me. But watching this scene play out in the anime, that was incredible. Hello, and welcome to A Dash of Salt with AJ. I'm your host, Ahsoka Jackson, author, podcaster, poet, and freelance proofreader. I expected it to probably be emotional when it came to seeing the stuff with Sasha. That's what I was waiting for. But I never expected to find myself tearing up during that conversation with Gabby. And yet, that's exactly what happened. The way that scene was handled and the performances in it, and I think this is one of those examples of an advantage that anime has. Because each art form, manga, and anime has its own distinct perks. I've mentioned some of the ones of manga recently. In this episode, we got to see where anime really shines. The voice acting enables you to get subtle inflections that you cannot get merely through the words themselves. And not just the emotion in general, I think voice acting is especially good to have when it comes to subtler or more vulnerable emotions. Much of what I've picked up from Gabby has just been the brashness and anger and aggression. But here, in this scene, I really heard the grief and pain and sadness and desperation underneath the anger. And I more than heard them. I felt them. In a way, it reminded me of the nuance we heard in Aaron's voice as he spoke to Reiner a few episodes back. And actually here as well, which I'll get to later. But here, with the voice acting, music, flashbacks, and everything else, the whole sequence was so magnificently freaking handled. And I think it's probably one of the best scenes we've gotten in this season. And I'm saying that as someone who's pretty fond of Falco, but does not especially like Gabby, and tends to find her sort of exasperating. It's a heck of a thing to have a favorite scene actually center around her, and even more of a thing to actually find myself tearing up at feeling her pain. And I want to get into this because this feeds into what I was saying before about why I don't consider her a monster, and why I don't hate her as much as you'd expect, despite what she did to Sasha. It should already be abundantly clear by now that Gabby is very much a victim of the Marleyan brainwashing. Heck, I think she's what they'd consider a prime success. I've said before that it's like she's had a whole kiddie pool worth of the metaphorical Kool-Aid. And the show even reminded the audience of this point by having her bring it up to Falco, both in how she referred to the Eldians of Paradise, and also how she specifically talked about their studies and was sort of chiding Falco like, didn't you pay attention in class? I already know what these people are like, and how it's their fault that we've been suffering. Gabby, unfortunately, is a true believer in all of this. And what this at least means is that her actions and motives here are sincere, despite also being horrendously misguided in reality. I'm brought back again to that raw pain and compassion I heard in Aaron's voice as he was talking to Reiner about that whole tragic and horrible dynamic, about how the folks here are being manipulated and deceived from childhood into believing all these lies. And this leads to Gabby's bigger motive in pursuing the airship. But before I get to that, she also has the more personal motives of just getting revenge. Let's think about this fairly now. This is a kid. 
I think she's about 12 at this point. But this is a girl who's just watched people she knows and cares about killed. Literally right in front of her. Zofia, then Udo. Udo's death was absolutely brutal to witness, and that says someone who liked the character, but hadn't developed a huge attachment to him yet. Plus, I know he's a fictional character. But watching him get trampled to death by the crowd was still highly, highly disturbing. But for Gabby as a character, everything she sees taking place is real, and she had to watch as her friend died in such a brutal manner, right before her eyes. Same with Sophia, though that was less difficult to stomach as we didn't see her actual moment of death, and I don't think Gabby did either. And then after that, there were the two guards at the gate, and Gabby once again had a front row seat to the graphic violence. And even though she's already been in the midst of warfare before as a soldier herself, there's still something to be said about watching someone you know being killed, mere feet away from you, and witnessing that moment in such graphic detail. And this time, Gabby has a specific person to focus on and blame for those two deaths, Sasha. This also brings me back to that theme this season of seeing the opposing side and realizing that they could have been our side from an audience perspective. I must first preface this by saying once again that I disagree with the idea that war is simply war, or that it's equally bad regardless of side. The question of what side you're on very much matters, though I do agree that war is inherently a costly, tragic, and terrible thing to have take place. So understand that I do not see Paradis and Marley's respective situations as being the same. That said, Imagine if we as the audience were in the same position as Gabby, with the same amount of info she had, and Marley's side had been the one we were following from the beginning of the series. The perception Gabby has of the audience of Parodies is pretty much like the perception the folks on Parodies had of the mindless Titans, and that the audience also had by extension. We saw them as horrid, malicious, and possibly outright evil. They were monsters who constituted an unquestionably lethal threat and put our very survival at risk. Not only individual survival, but also collective survival. We grieved over the losses and casualties that came at their hands, and we rejoiced over our few moments of victory. I'm sure we all remember that iconic moment where the Titan was about to reach Mikasa, and then Eren's Titan struck it. Even not knowing yet that it was Eren, I'm sure most of us were immensely thrilled and satisfied at seeing the other Titans finally being taken down. And that rogue titan even made a special effort to make sure it took out the one that had eaten Thomas Wagner, who I believe had been the first of Aaron's military peers to die in trust and in the series as a whole. The way we viewed and felt about the mindless titans or pure titans, and then later on about Reiner, Annie, and Bertolt, that's how Gabby perceives our team from Paradise. And what Gabby did in this episode, we probably would have balked at how reckless and foolhardy her specific actions were, but if she had been our POV character all this time, we probably would have been overall cheering her on and happy and satisfied that she had managed to strike back, and especially get such direct revenge for the people who were killed. People had fallen dead at Gabby's feet, and she had managed to take out the sniper responsible for that. That's both a short-term win and a longer-term hit to the enemy's fighting forces. In another story, what Gabby did here would pretty much be what plenty of folks would have wanted her to do. It would have been equivalent to Aaron's being able to take out a mindless Titan early on in the story, or a Marlian soldier later on in the story, after we found out the truth about the mindless Titans and our anger shifted from them to the Marlians. Again, this is aside from the caveat of how questionable her specific approach was, boarding the airship and all that. 
like I said before, Gabby's definitely proven herself to have legitimate skills to back up all that ego she has. Though I will note that she keeps being given some extra help here, due to the fact that she's a child and folks keep hesitating to fire upon her while she has no such reservations with them. This happened in episode 1 with the Mideast Allied Forces, and again in this episode. Still, she definitely has technical skill and is decent at improvising. Her plans are super risky and somewhat depend on luck, but they have gotten the job done all the same. And now I can get to the other part of this dynamic, that larger, broader reason behind her actions. And this is actually what got to me the most. Gabby didn't just lose friends, and she didn't just see part of her hometown destroyed. What Gabby saw in that strike on Liberio was her hope for her people and their future being destroyed. Her great hope in life was achingly close now. She really believed Marley's spiel, and that if the Eldians from Liberia could finally defeat Paradis and reclaim the founding titan for Marley, then Marley and the world would finally see that the rainy Eldians in the world were the good ones, and would finally be convinced to free them from the internment zones, and treat them as equals rather than as monsters to be feared and subdued. And with the plans for the renewed military effort against Paradis, the supposed opportunity was now closer than ever for Gabby. And along comes the man, myth, and legend, Aaron Yeager himself. The Attack Titan. The Founding Titan. The Usurper. And when the eyes of the world are upon Liberio, he strikes. And Gabby sees her hopes for the liberation of her people slipping away like water through a closed fist. Alright guys, thanks for listening to today and I hope you've had a great time. If you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications on so you get updates. You can help make the podcast more visible for new viewers and listeners by leaving a like, share, comment, or review on whichever platform you use to listen. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, social media, etc. Be blessed and stay salty.